Welcome to Folding Chair Theology. We're your hosts, Justin Mercier and Bruce Pagano, and this is Theology for Everyone. Hey, welcome to Folding Chair Theology. As always, I am one half of your hosts, Bruce. Um, Justin ain't here because we're going to do an episode of Spruce of Bruce. So um, for this episode, I wanted to talk about something that I've been trying to flesh out for a few years now. Um, And it kind of rests on this idea that we hear often uh, in youth, um, uh, maybe from the platform when we talk about youth, um, but they'll always kind of I've heard two things. One, they'll always kind of point to the youth and tell them, hey, you're the leaders of tomorrow. And that language is kind of given way to this language that says, hey, you're the leaders of today. Like, you don't have to wait until tomorrow to be a leader. You're a leader of today. And while I agree that they're going to be leaders and that in some regards, age dependent and kind of where they're at, they may be. They may be leaders in whatever sphere they're in, um, you know, especially if they're like in school, um, like government, or if they're uh, a captain of a team, you know, a sports team that they're playing on or a debate team or something like that, then they, they clearly are learning to be leaders in that, in that space. Uh, but I want to talk about it from a spiritual standpoint. And when it comes to, um, leaders in their faith, um, that are commissioned by church members and church leadership to go into their school and make disciples. Um, and the reason I want to talk about that is because it's a big deal. Like we kind of flippantly use this terminology and this idea that disciple making's this rather easy process. Um, and we don't often explore the depths of what it means to one, be a disciple, but two, be a disciple maker. And it's a big deal. It's a lot around it. I mean, it's such a big deal that Jesus spent three years. Um, and, and, and we only have a couple stories of the disciples during that time going out and preaching the good news. You know, there's the one time where he puts them in pairs and sends the 72 out, tells them what to do and how to do it. And then there's um, a couple other occasions where they'll interact with people that are looking for Jesus. But it's not, but, but it's three years of them learning and they're adult men. And and I say adult men, knowing that some of them were teenagers, but what constituted an adult then is different than what constitutes an adult now. And the expectation and responsibility was different. So these adult men, um, you know, these teenage boys, some of these teenage boys were working full-time jobs, um, hard full-time jobs and were married. And that regardless of whether you get married really young 18, 19 years old, or, you know, later in life, it just changes the dynamics of what's expected of you. Um, So an 18 year old can get married and more is expected of them as an 18 year old 
than say an 18 year old who just graduated high school and is trying to figure out like what path to take in life. There's just an expectation and a responsibility that's different. So, um, and so still he took these, these young men and spent three years training them before he ever expected them to, to go out because it's hard and, and he lived with them. So it wasn't just like three years every Wednesday or three years for an hour on Monday morning or three years for an hour and a half in church. It was three years of living together all the time. Um, so compound that those hours um, and, and it's a lifetime by the standards that we dedicate to um, communal discipleship. So that's kind of why I want to talk about it because we use it really flippantly and then we put it onto our kids. Um, and, and here's why I've been wrestling with it and, and why I want to think through it and talk through it. Discipleship's hard. And, and when I think of my walk as an adult, as a 44, almost 45-year-old adult, disciple-making is a hard process. Um, I'm just now in the last decade, maybe 12 years, 13 years, I'm just now starting to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and, and, you know, that's on a scale. There's, there's a spectrum. Um, you know, hopefully as we get closer to the end of our life, we have gotten closer to understanding what it means to be a disciple of and follow Jesus. But with that comes um, a continuing growth in my understanding about what it means to be a disciple maker. And often, I don't, I don't do it well. Um, there are often times where I leave a situation and I'm like, oh man, I could have pointed that toward Christ or, um, or, oh man, I didn't act Christ-like in that situation. Um, that could have like really, um, you know, given, given this person a different impression of what it means to be a Christian because they know I'm a Christian. Um, and so if we're honest as adults, we don't do discipleship well, we're trying to figure it out, hopefully. We're trying to spend time with other Christians that can disciple us and help us grow. Um, but but then we turn around and we allow or expect or hope that our youth pastors and youth leaders will instill this disciple-making mindset in our students and, and hope that they will send them into the schools to get other kids saved. Um, and I don't think that there's anything in, inherently wrong with that. Um, what I do wrestle with is the pressure that that puts on a kid who's trying to figure out, first and foremost, what it even means to follow Jesus. And so elementary school, you know, Kids church on Sunday mornings that involves kids up to fifth and sixth grade. Typically that type of pressure is not put on there. Although I have been in circum or in situations where there there's already this intention towards instilling, Hey, invite your friends to church. Hey, if you invite your friends to church, you'll get a, an award. And, and the focus is on getting more people in there to tell the story. But, but my first grader doesn't understand what, what is going on apart from if I invite a friend, I get a prize and the prize is the 
is the purpose. Um, and I think that that sends a wrong message and can create this like, um, this consumer, like that's where we're creating this consumer, um, understanding and, an environment around church. Like I can go to church and get something that I like and it should be Jesus that we're getting <laughs> that, that like the time that we're spent spending with other Christians should be focused on. I go there to get Jesus with other, because when two or three are gathered there, he is among us. And so, and not that church, Sunday morning church is the only place that that can happen, but that should be the main crux of why we go there. I want to worship with other Christians. I want to celebrate the good things of God. Um, you know, maybe I'm going to receive this teaching that I can, um, discuss and kind of figure out how it plays out in the rest of my life with other Christians and, and the world. Um, so, so I think it starts in kids church where we kind of start instilling this mentality of, Hey, being a disciple maker is just getting people into church. Um, and, and it's very consumeristic in, in nature. Um, but then it gets more, um, prevalent as they get into like junior high and high school, where it's just like, you're a leader and you can bring Christ light into darkness. And, and I'm, and I'm telling you just, from experience and from what I've seen and from um, there are some adults that do that really well. They bring the light of Christ into their workplace and, and they're conscious of his, you know, God's presence everywhere that they go. But by and large, if we're honest, most of us don't do that well. We hope that we do, but we don't do it well. And then we put that expectation on our students during a time of their life when their brains are developing, when they don't understand relationship connections, when they're trying to figure out identity because 12 to 14 is when they're trying to solidify identity. Um, the, the, the guy who founded Compassion International I have his book. I know his name. I forgot it right at the moment, um, but it'll come to me. Um, anyway, he he makes the point that um, thirteen is probably one of the most pivotal ages um, when it comes to a kid's developmental life because by 13 they've already kind of started establishing what they believe and why they believe it and changing that um, – becomes some really hard work afterwards. Um, and, and, you know, regardless, the point is 12 to 14 is identity. Like they're, they're forming their identity. Um, and, and so we're expecting kids in this really difficult point in their life to, to go into this dark place and to, um, be the light of Jesus to, to this dark space. And I'm not saying that that's wrong necessarily, but I am pointing out the amount of pressure that that puts on a young person when they're in the middle of trying to figure out all this stuff themselves and figure out where they fit in socially and figure out, um, you know, what God expects from them and maybe dealing with trauma themselves and dealing with, um, just all this stuff expecting them to be disciple makers while they're learning to be disciples and while they're being discipled 
is is kind of where my problem lies, and and I'm really wrestling through it because I have I have a 13 year old, and I had 13 year olds. I mean, like I have two older sons who are this year going to be 25 and 23, and I have a 13 year old, and I have a seven year old daughter, and so I'm kind of right in the middle of what does that expectation look like for me and my wife to put on our children when it comes to discipling others. So, so that's kind of where I'm at and where I'm kind of trying to like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in uh, people's opinions. Sorry, my cat is in this phase where he's kind of just this jerky, rambunctious, um, he just turned one. So I think he's in this jerky, rambunctious, um, teenager phase where he's just chewing on everything so he's in my office climbing on the ledge trying to chew on um my papers and and stuff like that so i had to get him out anyway my my concern when it comes to just having our kids be disciple makers is is a practical thing right now because i don't want them to, I don't want to put too much pressure and expectation on them in this space that becomes really difficult for adults. And like, if we're honest, being a disciple maker as an adult is really difficult and, and we don't do it as well as we'd like to. And maybe we don't even understand it the way that we're supposed to, but, but we, but we insist on putting that on our kids. And, and I'm telling you, I've been in young adult ministry, you know, a pastor in young adult ministry, and I've been um, on church leadership uh, enough times, and I've had enough kids, and I worked in a public middle school. And I'm telling you, the pressure that that creates on our children is often detrimental. Um, it, it's often a, a level of... Um, a, a level of standard that is difficult for them to maintain and to, to, to meet. And so they, they see the standard that's set before them. There's feelings of failure in it or that they can't live up to that expectation or that they're not doing it well enough or not doing it right enough. Um, coupled with, you know, whatever moral and legalistic obligations that are put on them by their local church leadership or body um, or maybe in their home by their parents. And, and it just adds to the pressure that they already feel um, in life with sports and with academics and with other adults in their lives that have expectations. And it's, it's a lot of the reason why many of them after high school leave um, and try and figure out like, what do I believe then? Like what is, you know, what does it mean to one, be a disciple of Christ, but also two to be a disciple maker. I just, so that's kind of where I'm at and I'm, and I'm interested in the conversation and hearing other people's opinions. I just feel like maybe there's a lot of pressure, um, put on kids and, um, you know, and, and late adolescence and burgeoning young adults, um, 
to be disciple makers before they fully understand what it means to be a disciple. And I just wonder what would happen if our focus changed away from growing numbers by having our kids invite other people and and moved toward you know and then making them responsible for like bringing the light into the darkness and moved toward um a mentality that said hey we want to teach you well what it means to follow Jesus and to love people genuinely love people and to serve people um and not for the purpose of proselytizing them or not for the purpose of converting them, but genuinely for the purpose of loving and serving them because that's what being a disciple of Jesus means. And that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus is to love and serve others. And then as they grow up, it becomes this, it it becomes imbued in their character and, and their belief system and, um, and their Christ likeness becomes part of who they are. And then out of that flows the desire to make other disciples, to give that to other people, because it's this genuine thing. And they're not just, and, and I'm not against like, you know, we used to do random acts of kindness or like prayer scavenger hunts and they're, they can be weird. Like that can be weird. Um, and, and I'm not sure. Like, like I understand what we're trying to teach, but I'm not sure how younger adolescents and younger kids take that kind of thing where it's just like, Hey, find a man, you know, ask God who he wants you to pray for. And then you go to a mall and you're like a man with a yellow shirt and then you pray for them. And then, okay, like maybe we're learning to, to hear the voice of God. But I think there's other ways that we can teach what it means to hear the voice of God. That's, that's less focused on. Um, uh, um, disciple making and, and evangelism and more focused on service of others and um, and loving them without strings attached, without an expectation that they're going to convert um, and without uh, the, the plan being covertly to, to convert them, um, but just really just showing them the love of Christ and love. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I just think I've been thinking through the pressure that we put on our kids um, when it comes to following Christ and making others who follow Christ. Um, And I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. Like maybe there's a right way to do it. But I, I think, again, a lot of adults don't have a solid understanding of what that means. And, um, and then we try and give that to teenagers and tell them to go into one of the darkest places that I've ever experienced, middle school and high school, um, and be light there. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's just, it's not an easy thing. Like, you know, what if more pastors stepped into middle schools and, um, because they're allowed to, and you know, I mean, as long as they're open and honest about what they want to do. And as long as the purpose is, Hey, I want to connect with these kids and serve them. 
during during the school day, you know, whatever, during lunch hours or whatever. You know, what if that happened more often? I don't know. Um, instead of specifically putting it on the kids and being like, okay, now go away and do the thing and then come back. Um, and bring your friends with you who you've converted or convince them to come to church. I don't know. And not that it's a bad thing to invite people to church. That's fine. But not from a consumeristic point of view, from a point of view that where they understand like, Hey, this is a fun place to be and we're going to learn about Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Anyway, um, next week we have uh, season five relaunching and, um, yeah, and I'm excited. So, uh, until then, what does Justin say? Keep unfolding the word of God. Um, like you unfold a folding chair. He doesn't say that part, but that's the point. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe find a living room where you can sit with a bunch of people on a folding chair and learn what it means to actually like genuinely follow God. Um, not that you don't, not that you don't. Um, but if you do, then you can give it to people. So anyway, I've rambled long enough, 21 minutes. I was trying to hit that 20 minute mark. And that's it. So enjoy the weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fold and Share Theology. You can follow Bruce on multiple social media platforms at bpags2, as well as Justin Mercier on Instagram at justinmercier13. Additionally, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Folding Chair Theology. Until then, keep unfolding God's word each and every day.